Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Last week, we talked about, of course, the Messiah has come, and this week, Pastor RJ has a message on agape, so I'd like to welcome him to the front. Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing today? You navigated Christmas well, with all the grace and peace that God has for us? Today's the last day of 2023. One, two, three, one, two, three. Uh, next year, it'll be one, two, three, one, two, four. I guess that's not so important. Uh, anyway, it's the end of the year, and I wanted to talk to you about agape today. Um, the love of God for humans, or the love that humans have for God in response. Um, ultimately, the highest version of love is agape. And it can be described as God's sacrificial love towards humans, and in turn, our response to God and others. In the book of Romans, uh, chapter 5, Uh, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. The Bible really says that. Did everyone hear me say that? I'm reading Romans chapter 5, verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Has anyone ever had problems or trials? Everyone's kind of like, has anyone never had problems or trials? So it says we can rejoice. And the reason is problems and trials help us develop endurance. Has anyone ever gone to the gym for more than 15 minutes? Some of you? On a regular basis? Nate, you hit the gym sometimes, eh? You were there this morning? <laughs> you know, you develop endurance by what? Repetition and commitment, right? Even when you don't feel like it. And, and in life, there's problems and trials. You don't always feel like it, but you don't really have a choice, do you? You just keep moving forward. Endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And this passage continues in verse six. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. For me, that's one of the most revolutionary verses in the Bible because it tells me that when I wasn't looking for him, God came and died for me. And when you weren't looking for him, God came and he died for you. Now, it goes on and it says, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. You know, you've got a person who's especially good here and you've got an evil person over here. How many of you are willing to give your life for this especially good random person? One, three. How many of you would give your life for this evil person? A couple. A couple. The Bible says 
perhaps, you know, someone might be willing to die for someone who's especially good. God, he showed his great love for humanity by sending Christ to die for everyone, the good and the evil, while they were still sinners. God was willing to die for you while you weren't even thinking about God, while you were still in your sin. None of you are still in your sin though, right? Stand up with me for a moment. I want to read this passage too. This is a great example of the love of God in action. God sacrificially sent Jesus the Son to die in our place on the cross. In 1 John 4, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. The love of God is most fully realized in your life, in your relationship with others, in your love walk. But there's some good news here because how many know that every one of us has broken God's law? Every one of you is a sinner. Every one of you, aside from Christ, is in trouble because of that sin, because there's a a sentence against you of death and separation from God. And Jesus, when he came, he came and he took your place and he was the substitute sacrifice for your sin. He died in your place. When the penalty of your sin was death and separation for God, Jesus stepped up and said, you know what, I'll die for that person. I'll die for Norm, I'll die for Nadine, I'll die for Steve, I'll die for Iris. He'll die for you too. You see, Jesus, the Lamb of God, became the once and for all sacrifice for sin so that mankind could be in relationship with the Father. But there's, there's a pathway that God has created. He said, believe in the sacrifice, believe in the work that Jesus did, his death, burial, resurrection. Repent of your sin right? Repent, turn around, stop sinning, stop desiring to sin, stop pursuing sin. Confess Jesus as your Lord. And it says you'll be saved or you'll be born again is the language Jesus uses in his conversation with Nicodemus. You get born again. You get a fresh start. God comes in and he changes your heart with his love. But After that, you know, we go on, we get baptized, we obey his commands, we do the things that God has called us to do. But it starts with some sort of a declaration. Yes, Jesus, I would like to serve you. Yes, Jesus, I want to confess my sin to you. Yes, Jesus, I want to become your son or your daughter. I want to have a relationship with you. We're here at the end of 2023, and you've lived your life so far. There's probably a few of you in the room right now that you've lived your life so far without thinking about God, without thinking about sin, without thinking about your relationship to him. But you're here today, not by accident, and God's calling you back to himself, saying, son, daughter, come home, come back into relationship with me. And we don't do altar calls, or we don't do this type of thing with every head bowed and every eye closed so nobody can see what's going on, and you can slip your hand up and nobody sees, because it's the public declaration of your faith in Christ 
that seals it. Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before people, I will be ashamed of you before the Father. That's a pretty strong statement, but he was pretty clear when he said it. So my question for you is here at the end of 2023, if you look within your heart, are you right with God? Are you serving God? Have you repented of your sin? Have you confessed your sin to him and accept his sacrifice so that you too can know God and the power of his resurrection and have eternal life? Because if you have it, I wanna give you that opportunity today. And all you have to do is be brave and bold and step out of your chair and come down here and I'll have someone come and pray with you and they will lead you in a prayer of confession and repentance and you can become, as the Bible says, born again, you can know God. And he'll change you from the inside out. If God's talking to your heart today, now is your opportunity. Come down here. Come join me here at 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 the front. You don't have to worry about what your neighbor's doing or what your friends will think. Many people in the room have made an acknowledgement of Christ. Come on down. Come on down, young lady. Is there anyone else that would like to stand up for Jesus and get to know him a little bit? Come on down. Come on over. Is there anyone else that God's talking to your heart today and you know you're supposed to be down here and you're like, I don't want to go down there, but you need to come on down. Come on down, young man. still kind of feel like there's someone else that's like hesitating right now, but don't hesitate. Now's your opportunity. God's talking to your heart. Don't take advantage of the now. Come on down. Okay, so my friends Norm and Dean are gonna take you guys. They're just gonna go pray with you. Okay, they're gonna introduce you to Jesus. And uh, congratulations, guys. You're ending the year on a very positive Go ahead and be seated. In John chapter three, a very famous verse, uh, sometimes at sporting events, you see people hold up signs that say John three sixteen, and most, most of the culture is like, what's that mean? I'll tell you what it means. For this is how God loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his world, son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. How many know that your love walk or love can be hard sometimes? Has anyone ever thought love is impossible? It'll never happen for me. Love is just not my thing. If you struggled in your love walk at some point in your journey, welcome to the human condition. Welcome to the human race. The truth is, it can be difficult to love people who have abused you or mistreated you or spoken evil things about you or who constantly tear you down or who bully you or who are only focused on themselves or who are argumentative or vindictive. No one in the room has ever done any of those things though, right? Okay, let's not lie, we're in church. We've all done those things. It's easy to preach or say to people, oh, just grow up and mature in your faith and choose love, you know? Let's just choose the higher road and just love people. It's easy to say it. It doesn't take away the pain or the emotion or the hurt that people cause you by their words, though, even when you forgive. You know, I love my wife. Believe it or not, I've said and done some things over the last 23 years that have hurt her and caused her pain. 
And I know some of you might not have a frame of reference for this, but occasionally she says and does things that hurt me too. But the vast majority of the time, we have no intention to hurt each other, and we're usually pretty good about apologizing to each other and forgiving each other. But it doesn't always mean it's easy, and it doesn't mean that the hurt just goes away because we apologize and try to work through it. Just like all of you in your relationships, when you make mistakes or say things that hurt people, even inadvertently, right? It still doesn't just make everything better. So the challenge is apology alone doesn't heal hurt. Only Jesus heals pain and hurt, okay? And, and in turn, it gives you the strength and the courage to fulfill the command of the Bible to love one another, this is relationship. This is the human part of, of kind of how we live life. We live with fallen human beings who are sinful and who break God's law. And as a result of us breaking God's law and treating each other improperly, we create pain and suffering. Do you know that the pain and suffering on planet Earth was created by you? Wait, what? Not all of it. But every time you break God's law, you create pain and suffering. Every time you disobey God's command, you create pain and suffering. Humans create the pain and suffering that we experience here on planet Earth. Wait, what? This is why we needed Jesus to come to planet Earth. This is why you need God to come into your life. This is why we confess our sins to him he will forgive us. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you come from. It doesn't matter, you know, your upbringing, if you grew up in church or if you grew up on the street. It doesn't matter to God. He will forgive us if we ask him for forgiveness. But his love is there for you to receive. Many people want to receive his love, but some people run into challenges receiving his love. There's many lies that the enemy tells us, God's people humans in general. He tries to convince people that they're not worthy of God's love because they've done so many things. And you don't know what I've done. I'm not worthy to receive God's love. I've disqualified myself from receiving God's love. God loves everyone else, but God doesn't love me. Satan plays the guilt card on people. He plays the shame card on people. You know, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's happened to me. He plays the comparison and competition. Look at how blessed this person is and I'm not blessed and God wants to bless those people but God doesn't want to bless me. Has anyone ever thought any of those things? They're all lies. Every single one of those things is a lie and it's Satan telling you that God does not love you. But my Bible tells me over and over again God so loved the world. God so loved humans. In fact, I've even heard it said that even if you were the only person on planet Earth that ever accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, he still would have came and died for you. Because he loved you. Many people confuse how God loves us perfectly with how humans love us imperfectly. And in your life, in your experience, you know, if, if love wasn't what you thought it should be or love was painful or love caused hurt and pain, sometimes we have a hard time receiving God's love, his perfect love for us. 
Let me give you an illustration of this from the scriptures. Let's consider how God loved Adam and Eve. Now they ate the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the forbidden fruit, you know, whatever, whatever that was, probably a pomegranate, not an apple. Sorry, Michelangelo. But they broke a specific directive that God gave them. Hey guys, you're in this wonderful garden. You can eat of all the trees except that one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat the fruit of that one because when you do it, you're gonna die. Now, just wondering, when you were young and your parents said, hey, that stove is hot, did anyone actually touch the stove besides me? A few of you? Yeah, some people like to learn the hard way. <laughs> but I mean, God says, don't eat the fruit of that tree, so what do you think they're gonna do? They go eat the fruit of that tree. And the truth is, all sin, all evil, all pain and suffering was the result of that one decision. Now, did they cause it all? No, but they opened the door for it, and then we cause it because we also break God's law and commands. So all future pain and suffering hinged on that commandment. How many say God was probably not very happy with Adam and Eve when they uh, ate the fruit of that tree? How many don't know what God was thinking? How many don't care? Is anyone awake? What would you do if you were in God's place? If you were the judge of that situation with Adam and Eve, would you just smite them and start over? Blot them out and start over? Zap? What would you do? I mean, it seems to me, if you read Genesis, you know, one, two, three, four, five, (laughs) here's gonna be what's gonna happen, guys. You made this choice. So women, your pain in childbearing is going to increase. And all the women said, amen. (laughs) Men, you're going to work hard. You're going to sweat to earn your keep, (laughs) to eat. You have to fight thorns in your lawn, right? Okay. But then right away, God, in the middle of declaring, this is what's going to happen, people, because of your choice. Here's the natural consequence. He says, a woman is going to conceive a child and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. And he, he already had a plan in place to redeem humans. Right then and there, and God starts speaking to the future where he's going to redeem humanity through Jesus. And then he goes and kills an animal and gives them a better covering than fig leaves. Because how many know that fig leaves, once they get disconnected from the fig tree, eventually will dry out, and then they start to do what? What happens to a dried leaf as you... They crumble. Aren't you glad we have better clothing than fig leaves today? I am. I'm glad you're all wearing better clothing than fig leaves. But God gave him a better covering too because he killed an innocent animal and he covered him with the skins. See, but that plan that God spoke about, that plan of redemption that he was, you know who was gonna pay the price for that plan? God was. He was going to foot the bill for their mistake. Just like every parent out there who sacrificed for their children so they can have a better future, despite the fact that sometimes youth is ungrateful. (laughs) God foot the bill for your sin, for your brokenness, for you breaking his law through Jesus. He paid the price. 
Now, I want to focus today more on agape, um, the God kind of love. And I remember back when I was in OAC, which was grade 13, for those of you that aren't old enough to remember when we had grade 13 in Ontario, um, which will give you an idea of my age. Um, but my religion teacher asked the class if anyone knew the Greek words for love in the Bible. So, of course, being a good Greek scholar, I'm not that great at Greek, but I knew the answer to this one. I raised my hand and I said, agape, storge, philea, and eros, which is the God kind of love, the family love, the brotherly love, and the sexual love. See, in the Greek, they had four ways to describe the word love. Today, we just use one word love, and my kids use it for everything. Oh, I love my coffee. I love your outfit. I'm like, seriously? I know you like it, but like, I don't know if I love my coffee. I like it. Coffee's good. Your outfit, good. Okay. So in English, we have one word for love. It's a little limited because it has that, it kind of waters down the definition of it. But in Greek, they had four words for love. Agape, though, is that sacrificial love of God towards humans and then our response to him where we love him. Now, agape, or the God kind of love, is the key. Can everyone say the key? to transforming from a self-focused person to another's focused person. When we came to Christ, we came as we are, were. We were selfish, lonely, hurt, proud, sinful, vile. We did all kinds of things before we knew Jesus. But we came as we were. And he accepted us and he loved us. But he starts changing our outlook because he changes our heart. And as we receive his love and we start receiving his perspective, it starts changing the way that we see the world around us. We have to set aside our concepts of fallen human love and replace it with concepts of God's perfect love. I've said many times from this platform, in this, we have to begin to love ourselves as well. And this will allow us to love others as God does without feeling taken advantage of or comparing how well others treat us in comparison to how we treat them. I mean, have you ever had a conversation with someone and you walked away going, man, I treated them much better than they treated me? Or have you ever dealt with a situation where you felt like, hey, I was much more mature in that than they were? Some of you don't have conversations with people. I grunt in your general direction. <laughs> this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road because see, when you receive God's love and he puts his love in your heart, it changes something inside of us so that we too can start loving others more perfectly. And despite that, we still have a long way to go. How many know that you haven't arrived in your love walk yet? I certainly haven't. But I'm working on it. And each day, I want to love more like Jesus loved than I did yesterday. But I've still got a long way to go because I don't always love people as perfect. I mean, sometimes I look at people and think, wow, that guy's a jerk. And that's the sanitized Christian word. I might not even have thought that word. Oh my goodness, how unholy is your preacher? But the truth is, I don't always look to people through the lens of love. I've got some growing to do in that area. 
But how many of you, you look to everyone through the lens of love all the time? I don't see anyone taking me up on that, which is okay. I'm not surrendering the microphone today, even if you're better at it than me. (laughs) But see, we could do something like this on a daily basis. We could go sit in our prayer time with Jesus and say, Jesus, or Father, I receive your love. And that might be hard for some of you to say, God, I receive your love, because you don't feel like you're worthy. You might not like yourself. You might not like what's going on in your life. You might not like your situation. Father, I receive your love. He's made it available to you. And just sit and let him pour his love into you. And that's hard for some of you, but you gotta do it. You gotta receive his love. Or you can pray, Father, help me to see other people through your eyes. Help me to see those jerks like you see them as humans who need Jesus' love to change their hearts too. Because the truth is, sometimes when we look in the mirror, we're the jerk. Sorry, does that word challenge some of you? I could find another word. <laughs> Just, that was the one I chose. But, but you see... All of us are not always as good as we like to be. All of us are still in this process on this journey where we're building endurance and we're building resilience and we're building our faith and we're growing in our love walk with others. And we have to continue to stay in that process so we can be more like Christ, each and every one of us. Now, the other thing that I would suggest you pray, Father, help me to love myself and others as you love me. Because if you don't like yourself, you're never going to do good in a relationship with others. I assure you, God created you with purpose and God made you his unique son or daughter. And he gifted you and equipped you as he desired you to be. And that means that he made you human. Completely human mind, body, and spirit. He made you in his image. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a destiny for you. And some people don't want to hear that, but that's okay. That's still what God desires for you. And I talk about this sometimes because God loves you so much that when you turned your life over to him, rather than wiping you out before you mess it up, right, rather than wiping you out and taking you home to be with him before you mess it up, because how many know sometimes we make big messes in our lives? Okay. He's got you here because there's an assignment, and that assignment, it says he'll be faithful to complete. You don't have to do the work. He does the work in you, and you just be obedient. And as you're obedient, and as you do the things he called you to do, you start transforming, you start changing, and you start seeing people through his lens instead of your lens. Father, help me to love myself. Help me to love others as you love me. Father, help me to see myself as the son, as the daughter that you've created me to be with the gifts, talents, and abilities that you've equipped me with so that I could serve humanity, so I could serve others, so that I could bless others, so that I could look at others through the lens of God as people that need Jesus. I'm not suggesting to you that it's easy in the moment when someone is rubbing you 
when someone is attacking you, when someone is not acting as they're supposed to. I'm not suggesting it's easy at all. But what I'm suggesting is, as we get better at receiving his love and seeing people through his lens and his love, it helps us to understand that our fellow humans are just sinners that need to be saved by grace, and some of them are and some of them aren't. But serving others is a result of the love of God. You're not going to serve others just because you want to serve others. Most people don't naturally come to that because naturally people are generally selfish. I want what I want and I want it now and this is how it's going to be or else. None of you have ever said that though. John 15. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I mean, we were talking about laying down a life for a good person or a bad person. The truth is, Every time you serve others, you're laying down your life. Every time you serve someone, it's costing you something. And that's part of laying down your life for others. I saw a few hands when I said, would you be willing to die for a good person or an evil person? But the truth is, are you willing to die for your wife? Are you willing to die for your children? Are you willing to die for your coworker? Are you willing to die for your church family? Are you willing to die for your neighbor? Are you willing to lay down what you want to serve others? Because a lot of times we're not willing to die and then we're not walking in love. But the only way that we can truly walk in the love of God is when we die to ourselves and what we want and we allow his love to come in and transform our heart and then we start living how he wants. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. They commended you early and I will continue to commend you, church. You do a great job in serving our community. Our four weeks of giving was well taken care of this year. We brought in uh, the fatherless we took care of and the homeless and we took care of the hungry. You banded together as a local church family and you brought in some canned goods and you sent some money to feed children overseas and you took care of some local families and you took care of some people that are struggling. Well done. This is sacrificial love because you give up something you could have had and you take your time, your talent, your treasure and you give it so that others can be blessed. And there's actually a fulfillment in blessing others and there's actually a reward in serving others. But the truth is we don't want to serve for a reward or out of fear or out of obligation or out of manipulation. We want love to be the motive for our service. Just like you're giving, you want love to be the motive for your giving. It's the driving motive. God has us here on planet earth to be his ambassadors and his kingdom, which operates in love. In 1 John 3, 16 to 18, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And we live in a world where there's so much brokenness and so much need. You could give away everything you have and not dent the need. I remember my first couple weeks in the Philippines, 
it was crazy. I'd be walking down the street and there were so many kids out on the street. I could give away everything. I'd have to leave myself some bus fares so I could get back home at night. But I, I started getting more intentional. Okay, God, I don't know what to do here because I, the need is greater than I can. But, but God started showing me, you see that kid over there? When you buy yourself some food, go get him some food. So I buy myself some food. I bring him some food. Here, go, God bless you. Have a good day, son. And that, that lady over there, you go help her, you know. And I remember, I remember Elaine Maria. I remember she, she, was, she was married and then her husband died and her kids kicked her out of her three houses. Okay, so she was living on the street because her kids kicked her out of three houses and she was selling candy and cigarettes and, you know, the stuff that street merchants sell, trying to make a way. So I'd be like, okay, well, let's get her a bag of candy so she doesn't have the capital cost. And we eventually got her into a little room where she could get off the street. But see, spirit-directed, loving people sacrificially and you help people one by one where you can. You may not be able to help everyone, but who is God telling you you can help? Who is God telling you you can reach? Who is God telling you love them? And if you look around, there's lots of people that need lots of love right in this very room. When you obey God's command to love, you're storing treasure in heaven, presuming your motive is love and your attitude's building the kingdom. If it's self-glorification or self-deification or if it's, hey, world, look at me, you're not. You get your reward and you're done. This is the temporary part of our journey. <laughs> you know, I was laughing. I saw a thing the other day at one of the stores in the mall and I was like, this is the only life you get. You're right. This is the temporary part of your life, but the eternal part of your life after your testing time is over is the real part of your journey because it lasts forever. You're right. You get one shot at this. You better make it good for God. You don't get a redo. You either spend eternity with them or apart from him. So in Colossians 3, the Bible tells us, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, clothe yourselves with. Now, thank you, Jesus. All of you clothed yourself. But how many of you got out of the shower this morning and magically your clothes just put themselves on? No, it's not like the cartoons. Doesn't work that way, does it? See, I didn't even fall over. You clothed yourself. You chose something, you put it on. Or your wife chose something for you and you put it on. Okay, but you clothed yourself. It's telling us you have to clothe yourself with mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. They don't just get on you. You put them on. You put on mercy. You put on kindness. You put on humility. You put on gentleness. You put on patience. Then it says, make allowance for each other's faults. Wait, what? Well, if I have faults and you have faults, we better make allowance for each other's faults or we're gonna have problems. Forgive anyone who offends you. Okay, remember the Lord forgives you, so you must forgive others. Clothe yourselves with love above all. Love is the primary thing. It binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. 
I assure you, if you're not clothed in love, you're not going to have peace in your heart. And as members of the body, you're called to live in peace. Always be thankful. See, forgiveness is really important when it comes to releasing others from the wrong things that they've done to you. But in essence, you're removing yourself from the place of judgment and you're allowing God to judge the situation. When you hold unforgiveness, you put yourself in prison or drink poison thinking you're punishing the other person. How's that working for you? In 1 John 4, 16 to 18, we know how much God loves us and we put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. More time in his presence, more with your love walk gets developed. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And such love has no fear. For perfect love expels all fear. If there's fear present in your life, you need to receive more of God's love. Easily said, but that's what has to happen because his love in your heart expels all fear, all worry, all doubt, all unbelief, so that you can know that you know that God's got you and God's got this and he's going to see you through. Remember I talked earlier about those trials and problems and situations that arise in life that we all have to face? In those moments, his love in your heart is what gives you that state of peace so that you can continue moving forward with him no matter what you're going through, no matter what your trial. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows we've not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Stand up with me as we go to the table. So when we talk about forgiveness and love, you know, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we celebrate communion, which is really a celebration of his death, burial, and resurrection. It's a celebration of Christ going to the cross for us. And he says, do this in remembrance. Do this as often as you gather. Break bread together. But you want to approach the table, the communion table, with no unforgiveness in your heart. So we do a moment and we search and we say, God, is there anything within me where I need to release forgiveness? Or is there anything in me that I need to ask you forgiveness of? So take a moment, ask God, God, I'm so sorry I did that. God, please forgive me. Help me to get back on track. Or God, that person that really irked me or really said some mean thing, I forgive them, Lord, I release them, I bless them. And in 2 Peter 1, verse 5, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence. Starts with faith and God gives us the ability to start living right. Moral excellence with knowledge. Oh, you're living right. You get to know God and you get to know about God and knowledge with self-control. Oh, we actually have the ability to self-regulate. Self-control with patient endurance, which means we have to wait sometimes to inherit his promises. I, like many others, get impatient sometimes. What about you? But see, there's this pathway that he's given us Patient endurance, godliness. We start acting more like Jesus when we learn to wait to inherit the promises, when we have to wait for the contradiction that we're facing, when you're walking through the wilderness and it's dry and you're believing God for rain in your life. 
godliness with brotherly affection. We love our church family. And when you can love the church family well, then it positions you so you can go love people well. And we're all at different areas in this process or this pathway. We're all at different places. In one relationship, you might be living morally excellent. In another, you might be loving everybody. In another, you're working on your self-control. But it says, the more you grow like this and the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their own sin, the old sins. Jesus, as we come to the table today with the bread that's broken, just like your body was broken, I thank you that you began a work inside of each and every person that is naming you as Lord and Savior. Father, forgive us where we've fallen short, where we've broken your law, where we've not obeyed your commands. Whether we've blatantly broken your law or whether it's through our apathy, we haven't done what you've asked us to and we've disobeyed your instructions. Forgive us, God. Cleanse us. And Lord, as we have the bread in our hand, I thank you that you were broken for healing. I declare health and life to our bodies, to our souls, our minds, our emotions. Father, strengthen your people today. Heal your people. Heal the broken hearts. Bind up the wounds like only you can do, Father. And let us all receive your love. Pour in your love. Pour in your peace into your children right now. In the name of Jesus. In the blood of the new covenant, the blood of Jesus. Father, I thank you today for your people. As we're closing out a year, Lord, about to enter into a new one. In a lot of ways, it's just another day. For some people, it's a fresh start. Lord, each day we look to you with hope and expectation that we can receive your love and in turn love others. I thank you for your blood that made a way for that to happen. You restored us to relationship with you at the cross. You paid our sin debt. And if you did nothing else throughout history, you've done more than we could ever repay you. Jesus, I thank you that you set your people free from the enslavement of sin, shame, and guilt. That you set your people free from curses, things that are spoken over them. Father, liberate the hearts and minds of every person here. Let your love run freely in our lives, in our hearts, and transform our eyes so that we can see and love others like you love others. And help us when we look in the mirror to see the son and daughter or daughter that you've made in your image, in your likeness today. In Jesus' name. Good morning, church. 
I'm Norm, and this is Nadine. Uh, peace be with you. I'd like to start by thanking uh, Pastor RJ for uh, this morning's, his love to us this morning for such a, a wonderful message about agape love and the love of God and how it affects our lives. And uh, Pastor RJ all talk, also talked about a love story that happened here in the church in December, and that was the four weeks of giving, where many of you uh, went above and beyond in answering the call to come and serve to be part of the, the four weeks and being the hands and feet of, of, of the, the church. Uh, and something was different this year. The enthusiasm was much stronger. It's a sign, I think, of the maturity of the church and your willingness in this body to be the church outside these walls. I mean, you know that it was uh, truly all in love. Amen? Amen. Thank you. We would also like to take a, a quick moment to say... Um, Happy birthday to our daughter, Gabrielle. Um, some of you may know her. She uh, serves in the cafe. And um, today's her birthday, and she was asked um, whether if she wanted to serve less hours today, you know, and, uh, and she said no. And she said that she wanted to serve, and she shared how blessed she is and how much she loves her church family. And um, she has shared in the past how much your encouraging words and your prayers and your conversations have blessed her, especially in difficult times. And so I just, we just want to say thank you for loving her. And, you know, our great commandment says that we are to love one another. And I just, as pleased as um, we were in the church church family loving her we can only imagine how pleased our father is when we love one another um like i said we love her so much and um when we walk away um we think about how much god loves us and he loves us he loved us like pastor rj was saying when we rejected him when we walked away from him he showed us that agape love and he even went so far as to pursue us. And that's so overwhelming when you think about it. And in his love, he wants, all he really wants is for us to have relationship with him and relational knowledge of him. And that is where our transformation occurs. So as we go into this new calendar year, as we go into this new year that, with the resolutions that we often come up with on our very own, you know, for our transformation, we would say our 2.0 version of ourselves in the new year. As children of God, the most important thing we can do is abide in God, our creator. When we abide in him, he abides in us and we will then bear his fruit. And he said, she said, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. It is such an honor and it is a privilege to be able to be up here imparting God's words to all of you on this last day of the year. We encourage as you reflect on your year and going into the new year that if you want to see transformational change, abide in him, seek him, hang out with him, be with him. Like I said earlier, someone said loiter in him. When you hang out in his knowledge, in the knowledge of God and with him, your transformation will occur according to his plan. Seek the planner, not the plan. Seek the planner, yep, 
the plan or not the plan to fulfill God's purpose in your life. We are want to wish you a happy new year and we're so excited about what God has for all of us for his glory. So how many of us in here are going to make resolutions tonight? Just raise your hand quickly. Okay. So uh, we would like to, for all of us to collectively make a resolution this morning for the next year as a body. Don't worry, we aren't going to ask you to give up chips, to exercise more, or to stop scrolling through your Facebook feed during church. We're not going to... Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Here, take the... Take the <clears throat> so where was I? We are asking that in this beautiful, unified body, we seek and abide in God so that we can all, every single one of us, we need to commit to walk in and with His love upon us. Let his love illuminate from us in every interaction we, we come across other people. We can all make a commitment to be beneficial to those in need and distress as God sends them into our lives. And we do that in love. We all can make sure that, that this church, WCF, that we are truly loving people. And people in Windsor and Essex County know this church is where people are loved unconditionally. Amen? So that's the commitments we'd like to make for this year. We'd like to leave you with John 13. I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you so that you must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now 